This podcast is brought to you by the film Ezra from Bleecker Street, directed by Tony Goldwyn with an incredible ensemble that includes Robert De Niro, Bobby Cannavale, and Whoopi Goldberg. Ezra is a funny and endearing story about Max, a divorced father struggling to co-parent his autistic son, Ezra. When faced with difficult decisions about the future, they embark on a cross-country road trip that has a transcendent impact on both their lives. Deadline calls Ezra a touching testament to the power of love. In theaters May 31st. Pampers Cruisers 360 is the must-have diaper to help keep your baby from taking it right off, which, if you've experienced this, can lead to complete chaos. With its 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your baby for a comfortable fit, your active baby can move freely. Think of it as baby yoga pants. Cruisers 360 offers a gap-free fit and has a blowout barrier at the back of the diaper to help stop any unwanted disasters. The best part? That stretchy waistband makes it so easy to change your wiggly baby, who is always on the move and can't be stopped. Just rip the sides to remove and roll it up with the disposal tape on the back. Voila! Pampers Cruisers are available in sizes 3 to 7 and now feature fun new prints. Pair with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, made from 100% plant-based cloth that grips the mess without fear of tearing. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Hi, this is Laura Vanderkam. I'm a mother of four, an author, journalist, and speaker. And this is Sarah Hart Unger. I'm a mother of three, practicing physician, and blogger on the side. We are two working parents who love our careers and our families. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. Here we talk about how real women manage work, family, and time for fun. From figuring out childcare to mapping out long-term career goals, we want you to get the most out of life. Welcome to Best of Both Worlds. This is Laura. This is episode 71. Um, we're talking with our guest Mel Johnson today about becoming a single mother by choice. I know we've had a lot of uh, listeners who've asked us to cover issues related to uh, single parenting. Uh, and this is certainly one angle that is is one a lot of people have thought about um, as, as they build their family. So we're very excited to hear from her uh, and all that's going on with that and her about her life with her young daughter, Daisy, who's about the same age as Genevieve, right? Yeah. Oh, good segue. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, by, yes. <laughs> so by the time this episode airs, Genevieve will be a year old, which is very exciting. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite, quite the year. Quite the year, yeah, and and uh, which means that our the pumping should be done right now, right? <gasps> yes, the pumping uh, will be done by the time this airs, and I am super super excited for that moment. I did make the goal, my arbitrary goal that I set for myself to basically make it until she's a year, and I feel kind of at peace with the fact that I did it. I think I still, you know, made certain things more difficult this year, but it wasn't a terrible year. 
despite that. And I, I would do it again. Well, I won't do it again. You won't do it again. I would say, wait, are we up for baby number four? <laughs> but, when, when's that one happening? Nope. <laughs> but I don't regret my decision to do it. I'm glad I did it. I mean, we're at that nice sweet point where nursing is very easy and very fast. And I hope that she kind of continues to do some on demand even once the, the pumping is done. And then if not, I'm like at peace with that too. I feel like I got to enjoy it, you know, for a nice long period and whatever happens, happens. And enjoy it. Like, did you enjoy it? I enjoyed the weekend and nighttime, like not overnight. <laughs> the two a.m. The two a.m. I enjoy that one. I just I love the like that superpower of being able to soothe her just through that. It's like amazing to me, and just felt special. And yeah, so I guess I would say I I did enjoy it. I enjoyed putting her for naps, and like you know, you go from the squirming kid to like this like peaceful. Milk um, drunk, baby. Yeah. yeah. And that's no, the it's, best. It's, it's something. It's definitely And it was something. a lot more fun, I would say, the last four or five months of it, when it wasn't wasn't her full nutrition anymore, it was very stressful keeping up with it when it was really trying to be everything. And it was, and she was fine, but it was it was hard. So I'm yeah. not going to sugarcoat that. Yeah. Well, we can celebrate that, uh, celebrate a successful year of nursing a baby while doing everything else as well, but potentially not holiday cards, right? Are you, you skipping those this yeah. year? Yeah. Do you do holiday cards? We do. We just, um, oh, yeah, we, I knew we that. Just, I've gotten them. Yeah. Well, we, we just put together our one for, for this year. Um, we did a photo session in early November with just some beautiful leaves. We hit the timing perfectly in terms of fall color in our yard and they came out really well with this sort of blazing scarlet leaves, um, which, which turns out to be good for holiday colors. <laughs> in terms oh, that's of our, perfect. Yeah, yeah. You just throw some green in there and you're set. We're set. We're set. Um, so yeah, I'll put that together. They should show up and we'll, we'll get those out. Um, and, but, but you don't even have an address really at, at this point. Right. I so mean, that's, I'm trying to decide, I mean, obviously we have our mail being forwarded. I just, everything's very in flux and I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll just prepare put this off until we do have like an official address and then we could send like change of address cards. But then again, we've done New Year's cards every year for probably the last at least 10 years. So I feel like, I don't know, I don't know necessarily want to break the streak. So we'll see. <laughs> do you have a good address organization system? Mine sucks. I mean, it's Excel. Um, is it? And I don't print labels from it. I mean, I just write the, the addresses myself, um, which we'll see how I feel about it this year because I was going to do a lot more of them. Um, I was just going to send a lot of cards to people who also got copies of my last book, you know, like early copies of, of yeah. Off the Clock because I have all those addresses, like those physical mailing addresses. So I was just going to send people holiday cards because like, why not? But it's starting to get enough of them that uh, that handwriting all the addresses is going to be a, a bit of a pain. <laughs> I think so. No, I hate doing it. And I, and I'm not good at like keeping it updated. So every year it kills me. Like I get, you know, four or five cards back a month later, return to sender. And it's like, ah, why don't I fix this? But, but at um, least I have Excel this year. I, I finally did that last year. In the past, I just sort of been like, we'd get to December and be like, oh yeah, who do I need to send this to? And then I'd like go try to find everyone's addresses anew, which, which is just so silly. I mean, it's not the kind of thing I would ever like, you know, if I'm telling somebody else a productivity tip, like anything you're going to do more than once, which guess what? Same. It's going to be Christmas again. <laughs> like in yep, a year, it will be exactly. Christmas again. Like you may want to set up a system to make it, it easier, but uh, no, I, I totally know. agree. I, I feel like I'm not myself in this particular task, but maybe this will be the year. <laughs> no, I know. Put it all in one place and keep it updated. 
yeah, well, maybe I'll update it better this year, but I, I've still never entirely figured out the whole mail merge and like printing onto labels. And it's just not, unless until I like hire an assistant, it's not going to happen. So no, it's uh, a lot easier to... now. It's a lot easier. Yeah. You can like upload an Excel file to one of the major card companies and they'll, they'll address true. them for you. So they can even have them stamp it. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a matter of having the correct input to do it. Yeah, with. I mean, I think that would be my problem too. Is I like I wouldn't do, or you know, the, there's a bunch of places in um, oh, Massachusetts, right? Uh, where it start in New Jersey, where they start with zero. The zip code starts with zero, so you have to do something different in Excel because it doesn't like leading zeros oh. in the zip, um, and so then it always gets screwed up. And I know there's a simple solution for it, but I don't know what it is. Like, so people who do a lot of data entry obviously would know exactly what you have to do to, to get the leading zero in Excel, but it's still just like every time. I think time you I'm, could Google that. I could quickly. Google that. Okay. Yes. Okay. Someone's going to listen to this and give us the answer. That's the <laughs> yeah. other, that's the, the slow method. Just the wait for method. somebody. So we wait for somebody to say, or just volunteer to be my virtual assistant, which is something I need to do eventually. I'm higher, yes. but uh, well, maybe that's a goal for, for 2019, but uh yeah, no. So the holidays, we'll we'll do it, and uh, we're we're uh, excited to talk with our guest who who is doing a great many things uh, in her, in her life, exciting and on her own. So let's uh, let's transition to Mel. Well, we're very excited to welcome Mel Johnson to the podcast. Mel is the owner of The Stork and I, which she'll tell about that business in a minute, and she is also the mother of a young daughter. So, Mel, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Hi, um, thank you so much for having me. So um, as you said, my name's Mel. I have just turned 40. I live in the UK and I am a solo mum to um, my daughter, Daisy, who's just turned nine months. And I think solo mum, single mum by choice, there seems to be some sort of different terminologies, but basically I had her on my own using a sperm donor. Which is something we have not talked about on this podcast before. So we were really excited that Mel was willing to to come on and share the story um, of, of becoming a, a parent and what led to that. So why don't you set the scene for us? Uh, you know, what you had described to us is you're you're approaching 40, single, thinking about motherhood. Like what what was going through your your mind? Yeah. So basically um, around, so I, I split up from a long-term partner um, when I was 29. Um, we'd been dating for seven years and we split up and I thought, you know, I'm 29. I've got loads of time still to meet somebody, get married, have children. It's it's no problem. But for one reason or another, that just didn't happen. So um, I went on plenty of dates, but just couldn't find uh, the right partner to settle down with. As I was approaching 35, I think 35 is the number in your mind where you think your fertility starts to, you know, to decline. And um, I, I started to become quite anxious as I was approaching 35 to think, um, gosh, is this, is this not going to happen for me? So yeah, that's when I started looking into a backup plan, if you like, are there going to be any other options if I don't meet the right person? And, and so this idea of becoming um, a, a single mom by choice and, and actually having the child yourself um, as opposed to adopting or something like that, why did you finally decide on that? So I really wanted to experience um, pregnancy and, uh, and, and that whole thing. And um, I looked into it. It took me so long to decide. Um, it was something over a number of years because it was such a big decision for a number of different reasons. And to be very honest, and this is what lots of other women are struggling with, um, because I worried what other people would think of me. Um, I worried about, was it fair to the baby? 
lots of different things. Um, but after giving it some considerable thought and having great support, particularly from my mum, I decided I'm going to give this a try. And if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't work, then this wasn't meant to be my route and I would, um, I would do something different. Yeah. And, and so can you talk about the process itself? I mean, was it stressful going through that? Because I suppose, I mean, you're trying to conceive a child and you don't know if, if you're going to be able to. So the same things many couples go through experiencing potential. Yeah. And something I talk about quite a lot to the, to the other women I speak to is um, something I call unknown fertility. And for me, that was really stressful. So um, I can see some of my friends around me are struggling to conceive with their partner, having to go through IVF. And I wasn't even at the stage to know if I would struggle because I didn't have a partner to try with. And the anxiety that that causes not being even able to get to the stage of trying, that's what caused me real anxiety. I'm a control freak. I know lots of people are. And I I felt so out of control on this um, not knowing so, um, so yeah, so I made the decision to, to try IVF. Um, I went to a fertility clinic in, um, Manchester in the UK. Uh, they treat lots of women on their own. So they're really, you know, they know what they're doing in terms of, um, of chatting to women in my situation. They made me feel, uh, really welcomed and supported and, um, to, to cut a long story short, I, I had IVF with a donor sperm, um, which produced three embryos. And on the second embryo transfer, um, my daughter Daisy was a, was a po- positive pregnancy test that came Yay. up. Wow, that's <laughs> wonderful. I have a quick sort of slightly medical question. And, yeah, sure. And it was the reason to choose IVF versus just doing IUIs with a donor so that you could get more than one embryo to kind of open up possibilities for the future? There was, there was a number of reasons. So um, personally for me, I felt like IUI has a much lower percentage likelihood of working. And I felt like that might cause me more emotional turmoil. Um, so the, the likelihood just talking in percentage statistics is that, um, that there might be, um, a lot more times where I wasn't successful, whereas IVF has a, as a higher percentage. And that was the main reason with the added benefit that I now have also got one more embryo, uh, left, which is a potential sibling in the future if I decide to. Cool. That totally makes sense, especially, you know, it's it would be different depending if you were 27 years old and deciding to do it versus a little bit older. So I think exactly your decision makes total when, sense. When I did it, I was 37. And so the percentage likelihood of IUI working is even lower. Now, I've spoken to girls where IUI has worked first time. And this is another thing that people battle to make the decision on because there's obviously a massive price differential if you're paying for your own treatment. And um, so it's a really difficult decision to make because it is purely a gamble. Um, IUI can work first time, but statistically, percentage-wise, IVF has a much higher chance of working. And in terms of the um, the, the donor sperm, I'm, I'm curious what process that was in terms of uh, you know choosing. That, that strikes yeah. me as a, as a sort of fraught choice on, <laughs> on its own of what you're what you're going for there. So talk about that some. Yeah. So there's loads of different ways to do it. It depends which country you're using and which clinic you're using. But in my case, the clinic I used has its own sperm bank, which does make life easier. And what you do is you complete a questionnaire where you choose physical characteristics. And that's just personal choice, um, whether you choose something that's similar to you or whether you choose something that's maybe similar to a potential uh, to to a, a partner you've had in the past. 
Um, so you can choose hair color, eye color, height, build, etc. Um, you can also choose things like education, religion. But for me, that's more nurture, but that's just a personal belief. So um, I was less um, worried about that. Um, and then when you choose them, the clinic then sends you two profiles that match the choices of the questionnaire. And on the profiles, they've written two letters. They've written a letter to you and then they've written a letter to your unborn child, um, just in slightly different ways, explaining why they've decided to donate. And um, at first I thought, two, that's just like such a small choice. Um, but actually both of the letters were beautiful. Both of the reasons that they'd given were lovely. Uh, and it was actually difficult to, to decide between those two. Now, I know other women to, uh, who've used a different sperm bank, they have almost like a catalogue and they're choosing between 50 and they're doing spreadsheets. And so there's lots of different ways. But for me, the way that it worked was easier because some of the anxiety was taken out and uh and yeah and and that's how I made my choice and is it is it um completely blind that like these these men will never um like if your daughter asks about it in the future is there a way to track it or is it completely private in the UK it's, it's a really interesting um situation we're in at the moment so in the UK the law has just changed and it has to not be anonymous so anyone who donates sperm is very well aware and they have to go for counseling mandatory that when the child is 18 they will receive your contact details and if they want to they can contact you so in the UK they believed that this was massively in the welfare of the child um, and I've spoken to some donor conceived children who agreed they said just knowing you can contact them if you want to is everything you want maybe you'll decide not to but having the choice is what's required uh, but I know every country um, has is different the thing to bear in mind is that with advances in DNA testing it's actually becoming very difficult to keep it confidential anyway so I don't know if you've heard of the site I think it's called 23andMe it's like the ancestry site if you send off your saliva in a sample, it, it matches you with people who will be your family members. And it's causing all sorts of interesting things to come up where people didn't realize that they were donor conceived, but they were and they're finding out this way. So much better to be honest. Um, it will be very difficult not to be going going down the line. Yeah. So you, you wind up, you know, you find out you're pregnant, you know, get the positive pregnancy test. Very exciting. Um, what was it like going through pregnancy solo? And I'm curious what you told people when they asked, because people ask pregnant women all sorts of rude questions anyway. Yes. So uh, <laughs> probably, probably you got even more rude questions. So, so yeah. how, did you, how did you answer that? So I just came up with a sort of like a one liner where I could very confidently just enter into a conversation telling people straight away. So um, because some people were like, but you're single um, and they, they almost couldn't hide their their surprise. Um, so I said, yeah, you know, I'm pregnant. Um, I'm doing it on my own because I thought if I um, didn't take this action, then I might miss out on being a mum altogether, which is something I just didn't want to consider. And um, overwhelmingly, the response has just been so supportive. Um, yeah, so I was very open with people, with work colleagues, my boss, uh, anybody I met really, um, and have just had a really positive reaction from it. And and then how about birth itself? Um, did you did you have you know support from your your mom or friends going through that? Yeah, so my mum was my birth partner. Um, she was really supportive, and I think that 
Um, I didn't find pregnancy or the birth more difficult, I think, than any other person uh, being on my own because I knew what I was going into. I think it would be very difficult if you were going into it as a two and then something happened and you ended up on your own because that's not what you've signed up for. But going into it on your own, you know um, that you're doing it on your own. And then I had my mum alongside me. She came to all my antenatal classes. She um, she was there at the birth. Um, she's and she's been um, with me, you know, for the last nine months, supporting me as and when I needed it, really. So feel really supported. And I think friends have also really stepped up more so than they would have had I had a partner. I think they've really tried to make sure they're helping uh, that little bit extra that I need. Well, that's probably a big thing for people who are entering single parenthood by choice to to sort of set up to to sort of look at the the strength of their social network and and what they can do to even strengthen it further. I mean, is that some of the advice you you give people? Um, support network is the number one thing that I talk to um, all of my clients about and all the people who chat to me. So um, it's so important to have your support network in place. Um, and I think often if you're in this situation, a lot of the girls that I speak to, they're quite independent women who are used to doing things on their own. Um, I know that that was, that that's me, you know, quite strong willed and want to do everything myself. And this is one scenario where it's really, for me, it's been best to accept that I actually need other people to support me. So I think um, I had to be really clear to people what support I needed. I needed to understand that myself. So um, I'm helping people to understand what are all the areas you might possibly need support in and who have you got in your network? And if you haven't, how do you meet people who can help you? Um, and there's so many different ways. And I think with technology as it is now, there's I've been using quite a few different apps to meet other mum friends. There's an app um, that's just coming out, Frollo, who, that is specifically for single parents. And that's going to be fantastic because you can just meet other people in your local area who are in the same situation. And then you can all help each other out and all support each other. So so definitely support network is key and being really quite bold about what support you need and not being scared to ask for help, which I know for a lot of women and for myself definitely is, um, is a bit of a hurdle to get over. So that's, uh, that's great that there's the logistical supports that are coming in. And you said, you know, the practical parts you need in your network. What, what does that mean? Like somebody who could take the kid on short notice, for instance, if you're sick, um, like, I mean, what are, what are we talking yeah. specifically? Needed? So I have got that exact example today. So um, uh, my daughter's in nursery and yesterday she got a temperature, a nursery called to say um, she's got a temperature. So this morning I was thinking, what am I going to do? Am I going to, is she going to be at home? So um, I called my dad and said, um, you know, dad, can you come around just in case Daisy uh, needs to uh, come home from nursery because I need a backup plan. Uh, and he's got her now. So it's having people, it, when everything goes to plan, everything's fine, but nothing usually goes to plan when you're talking about a nine month old. There's always sickness or something that comes out of the blue or something that you need to do different. So it's having those people who you can call on short notice, but also for me, it's, you know, I'm still a person as well as a mum. I need some time to myself. So who can, um, you know, let me just have a little bit of time, whether that's to just rest and have a lie in or whether to, whether it's to go out. Maybe I want to go on a date, um, go out with friends, uh, whatever it might be to do. So it's just having those people around who can allow you that. 
Um, so let's talk about a, a day in the life of Mel right now. Uh, what, what is it? You know, our, our listeners always love hearing about uh, how, what people's days look like. Yeah, so I am just transitioning uh, back into working. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go back four days a week rather than five. So I get up at six. Um, Daisy also gets up at six. She's an early riser like me. So we have some sort of quality time together in the morning where we just spend some time and play. Um, and then um, I've got my routine together where I can get ready where um so she comes into the bathroom with me whilst I'm getting ready. Um, and that's been something that I've needed to figure out because a lot of my mum friends figure out with their partner how both of them can get ready in the morning uh, in time to, to leave the house. Whereas I've had to find out how I can get ready with Daisy. So I've got different things in place where there's certain toys that she can play with or things that she can do whilst I'm getting ready. She loves to sit and watch me dry my hair. Um, just simple things like that but getting my little techniques in place to get us both ready then we have to leave the house at half past seven um, I take her to nursery. It's just around the corner. So I can, what I quite often do is put my gym stuff on, walk to the nursery with her and then go for a run on the way back from nursery so I can fit on some exercise. And this is what I found just all these little sort of tips and tricks on how to try and fit everything in, in the precious time that I've got. Um, I then come home uh, if I'm working, um, spend the day at work. I get her from nursery at about five o'clock and then we just have a little evening routine where we do some more playing, uh, give her some food and then she goes to bed about seven o'clock and then quite often I'm in the evening then doing some coaching calls for the stork and I so a pretty full-on day um, and then my mum stays over with me one night a week which is great so I try to use that night for socializing and going out and um, you know doing my own thing and my mum this is a recommendation for anybody who can get their mums to do this or somebody to do it she gives me a lie-in from six to eight to one day a week so I she takes um, my my daughter at 6am and I just have these precious two hours of enjoying a lion and that is the biggest gift my mum can ever give me. <laughs> it's the biggest gift anyone can give a mom. I'm, I'm kind of uh, fantasizing about that lion right now as my, uh, my yeah. three-year-old was up at 5.15 this Oh morning. no. <laughs> Um, hopefully your your daughter will not do that to you. Uh, as she, hopefully. As she <laughs> um, also tell us about the Stork and I, because, you know, you went through this journey and then you wanted to help other women um, who, who are contemplating it. So when, what yeah. what is the business and what do you talk to your clients about? So basically, when I was going through this, I felt really alone. I felt like I was the only person in the world who was going through this situation. It felt like all my friends around me were meeting their partners and starting, if they wanted to, to try for a family. Um, and I just didn't know anybody else in my situation. And it made me feel... Honestly, it made me feel a bit of a failure in in that sense of finding a partner, although I felt very successful in every other area of my life. And so after I had Daisy, I thought, I want to set up a community so that other women know that there are other people out there who are in the same situation. And I want to be able to support them um, going through that journey. So anyway, uh, I am a life coach. And so the stork and I has just focused that in on coaching single women in their 30s and 40s, usually, who want to have a family, uh, but 
I haven't got a partner to just look at what their options are. So it might not be that they want to do the same thing I've done, but it's helping them unpack what are their options uh, um, and what do they want to do Um, and just making them feel part of a community and helping them understand that they're not on their own. There's, uh, I have been overwhelmed by the number of women who've contacted me since hearing my story saying, oh, I'm so relieved that you've shared your story because I'm in exactly the same position. And it's just people love having a community that really understand what they're going through. And that's what the Stalk and I is about. Uh, what are the most common questions people ask you? So the um, there's two big things. The first big thing is making the decision. So it's how do I know whether I should go ahead and do this if, if, if being a solo mum is or a single mum by choice is, is what they're thinking about. It's letting go of thinking that I need to do this with a partner. It's really difficult because, you know, when you're a little girl, you're not dreaming of, you know, doing this on your own. You, you're thinking you're going to do it with someone else. And so it's working through um, helping people on what at what time do I decide to do this on my own rather than with a partner and what I help them work through is it's not giving up on that dream it's just doing it in a different order so um, you know I'm absolutely still planning to meet a partner uh, just that my fertility wouldn't wait for me to do that because I was taking a bit too long <laughs> so um, so it's so that's the first thing helping them make the final decision um, the second thing that most people ask me is how do I choose a sperm donor uh, so you know where do I go what are the options uh, it's a minefield there's so many different options and ways of doing it and you know anonymous not anonymous a known donor an unknown donor from what country there's so many different choices so helping them work through that and then I think support network helping people understand who they're going to need to help them uh, make this as easy as they can be and let's let's talk a little bit about the the dating because you said you know you you think a partner might be in your future it's just the yeah. order of things is different i mean are you yeah. dating now or looking to or planning to in the future i mean i i, I was so exhausted with a 9 month old that i'm not sure i would have pondered the thought but uh, you know maybe you're you have more energy than i do <laughs> Well, I don't know about that, but I, 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 I have been dating. So um, I find dating now so much easier than I was doing before because all that pressure has been taken off me. Now I'm dating just to hope that I meet a lovely partner um, that I connect with and, you know, let's see what happens. Before it was almost like the panic and this loud ticking of my biological clock and, you know, losing sight on was I looking for a partner or actually was I looking for a sperm donor, you know, the, the, the father of a child as opposed to a partner. So, now my time is a lot more precious because obviously I've got a lot more things going on. I'm a lot more, you know, specific that I will only go out with somebody if I really think that it's, you know, that it's a good use of my time. And um, I've had some really, I've had some really nice dates. I haven't met anybody that, you know, where it's, I think there's a future in this, but I, I definitely have found dating easier. And I'm really optimistic that, uh, that I will meet somebody. Um, I just need to keep looking. And, and what are you going to tell your, your daughter as she, as she grows up? And I mean, I guess, particularly in the light of, of, let's say, you know, by the time she starts thinking about this, like you're, you're partnered with somebody who, who is then yeah. her dad, you know, I'm, I'm curious how you're going to, you're going to approach this whole story with her. 
Yeah, so I'm, I've had quite a lot of advice on this for people who are further down the line, who you know, who've got older children. And um, I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I've um, purchased a book um, that somebody's written that helps um, people in my situation explain like donor conceived children in a, in a way that children can understand. Um, so I, I'm going to be completely honest about it. And as she grows, I'll just change the explanation to match her age of what she can understand. Um, And it's completely based on what other people have done and what's worked well and the advice that I've got. So at the moment, um, it's very much just around who's our family. So explaining it's me and Granny Bev and Granddad Tom and Uncle Dan and some of my friends who I also call my family um, and just showing her who our family is. And then, and I've done that through like a lovely soft picture book that I've made with all the pictures in and then as she gets a little bit older it will be going into a little bit more detail to say families are made up from all different scenarios you can have two mums two dads a mum and dad just like you can have every different scenario and this is our scenario and then as she gets even older you can explain you know to you know how a baby is made and when it's only um, a woman on her own that you need to have um, you need to have sperm basically uh, from some from a man to make that and I'll just sort of change the story to add in more facts that she can understand that are age appropriate but but be completely honest and then if, if there's a guy in my life you know just explain where he fits into it all and um yeah, but but honestly, I think having spoken to donor conceived children, they all really emphasize this. Just be honest. We don't want to, any surprises. We can handle any scenario, but don't let it be a surprise. Um, so that's definitely the advice I'm going to take. Well, I think that's good, li- good advice for life in general. Sarah, you have yes. any more questions? <laughs> No, and uh, I apologize because I have no voice, so I didn't contribute much, so no one would have to listen to this horrible sound. Um, But Mel, that was a fascinating discussion. I think um, I I wish we'd had you on sooner um, because I think that we want to make sure we include all types of families. And, you know, this is just incredibly valuable for many of our listeners, whether they're in your shoes or they have a friend who is, because many of us do. Yeah, exactly. And I think if anyone does know anybody who is in this position, who's thinking about it, I I, I actually hold webinars, completely free webinars for uh, women who are thinking about it just to take them through some of the basics. So that that will definitely be a starting point for people who are in the situation of thinking about it to, to just understand some of the basics and where they should start. So please go check out Mel Johnson's The Stork and I, um, and we'll put links to that in, in the blog post. Well, Mel, thank you so much for being our guest. We really appreciate it. No worries. Oh, wait. Does Mel have a love of the oh, week real quick? Okay. <laughs> I just thought of that. Um, something that I'm loving this week. Let yeah, me think. Um, I'm going to say this new app, um, Frollo, being able to meet other single parents. Um, I, I am so, I know I'm a bit geeky on apps, but I'm so excited to be able to sort of swipe right on, um, on other single parents to, that'll connect me. Uh, that's probably my love of this week. Awesome. Sarah, how about you? I guess I'll do an app too. So I think I had mentioned that I took Instagram off my phone and I did get the Flume, F-L-U-M-E app to work. Um, I got the professional, so it was $10, but now I can comment on Instagram posts on all of my accounts through my computer. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah, no, that is pretty cool. Um, I think I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. The Uber app is is like rocking my world right now. Yesterday, I was trying to get from a, a very complicated transportation situation from somewhere in the middle of New Jersey back to the Philadelphia train station, and I could do it. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, not to, not a big deal at all. Um, whereas in the past, the, it, it completely would have been or very expensive car services. So it was, uh, it was great. Anyway, thank you, Mel. We really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you. Well, that was a fun interview. I love having guests with lovely accents like that. I have a question that I picked out of our survey, which by the way, I'm going to leave it open for the next month or two, just in case anyone still feels like they'd like to chip in. We got a huge number of um, wonderful ideas and feedback and questions from that. And you can still find the handle to it on our, uh, the link to it on my Instagram, the best of both worlds podcast, Instagram. Uh, So this is a question that came from that, um, as you'll hear also in the next few episodes. Here we go. As a fellow upholder, introvert, and definitely more of a task-oriented over people-oriented person, I like to know when family activities are so I can mentally prepare and be fully engaged during the time. The challenge is my family is extroverted, spontaneous, and most importantly, they feel like if it's on their calendar, it's a task item, and they feel hurt by that. I've tried to explain that making it to my calendar means it's a priority and something I value. My question is, any advice being mentally and emotionally present when you weren't planning on that people time? Laura, do you have any thoughts? Well, I totally get this. And I'm not sure that somebody who's more extroverted would would get this at all, like that you have to mentally prepare even for people that you love. Um, <laughs> and so it's, it's, not, it's not that you don't love them, right? It's just that there's a certain energy that you put into people and then certain things that you do to like, be your introverted self too. And so you're trying to kind of balance the the two of these and, and you can put in a lot of people time, but you kind of want to know, right. And you want to know what you're getting into. Um, so, so you can sort of manage your energy for say, you know, three hours of ice skating with the family. Like that's a certain amount of energy you're planning for that. And then, or if it's like, you know, two hours going on a walk somewhere, you want to know that, or if it's like, three hours that you're all just hanging out at home watching a movie. That's a different sort of energy, but you just want to sort of prepare yourself for these things. And so I totally understand. And I can also understand how other people viewing that would be like, what do you mean you need to prepare your energy to see me? (laughs) It's like, wait, I thought you loved me. Why are you even saying this? But I I think that, um, so I'm trying to, you know, figure out like what would be a good way for her to, to convey this with, without her, because it's also that they like to switch plans too. Like they don't feel that switching plans is a big deal where she does. Right. I mean, so you're splitting the difference because you're a very extroverted person, but you like, I'm an extroverted person. I like the structure. So my way of thinking was more like, okay, I'm just going to have to decide that like that you know, whatever full day, you know, at least they could probably commit to like a full day. Like we're going to spend Friday together, even if they don't have an agenda, if they can't commit to that, then I mean, I don't know, at some point, both sides probably have to compromise. And I think that's a reasonable compromise. Like is Friday going to be a family day. Okay. Well, if that's the case, then like, I can just kind of succumb to that and think, if I, you know, I could visualize my planner, it would just be like, it would say unstructured family time. <laughs> and I know that's so silly, but you know, by having it sort of intentionally dedicated, for me, that's enough of a structure, even in my mind, to kind of just make peace with it. And I I don't think that's necessarily going to work for everyone. And I see what you're saying about the mental energy of extroversion, which is not as much of an issue for me. But I wonder if that person, uh, our, our per- the person who wrote in, could 
sort of give them her agenda. Like I was, I was suggesting that perhaps she could tell them what is not family time. Like when she won't be available, like, well, you, we can do whatever you guys want together on Friday. Just so you know, I'm not going to be there on Saturday because I have plans, you know, and then she can kind of craft her own mixed agenda and they can either go with it or not. And this, this goes a little bit to, um, you know, those, uh, tendencies that, that Gretchen Rubin likes to talk about where, you know, if they're rebels, they're not going to want to be planned for, like, they're not going to want you to say, well, we're going to do this. Like they're going to, they're going to bristle at that, but you can say, I'm going to do this and you could come if you feel like it. And then that may appeal to them. And you can kind of have your cake and eat it too, by having the agenda that you want and having it either be family or time or not, but leaving that choice to them. I mean, this, this does sound though, like it's a challenge. So I would also say that, um, you know, sort of vague plans that can be done whenever are, um, the sorts of things that the spontaneous sorts like to move around for reasons that are known only to them. I mean, I'm a planner, so I, I don't, I, you know, I don't get it, but, but they do, um, you know, like, Oh, but maybe in the mood moment, we'll feel like doing something different or, or whatever. But, uh, I, one thing you could do though, is if you have like tickets to something, even people who are more spontaneous are less likely to kind of want to move that around. Like if there's already been some level of commitment, like, Oh, you know, I got us tickets for X and, and that can be a way of sort of planning at least one event that you know that that's what you're thinking of. You plan your energy for that family event. And and then maybe the rest of the day goes as it goes. Or you can even just buy your own ticket and be like, I'm going to that. And you can if you'd like. Because I also just feel like I think this person needs to not impose their... They have to be very careful not to impose their preferences of planning. No, that's true. On the others. You'd be like, oh, this sounded like something really fun. For all of us. All and there's still us. more tickets available. There's I'm going. Available. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is just the reality. And we're coming into the holidays here, like planning for extended families and trying to get everyone together to do something. I mean, the reality is you can't ever please everyone. And there's always going to be like someone who doesn't go to something because they don't like to do it or they aren't feeling good or it just, you know, wasn't going to work out for that. You, you can't. I think everyone on all sides has to just sort of be a little bit less sensitive to all of this and just realize, you know, as long as we're together and having some fun time, um, you know, we don't need to have every day of an extended family get together, be everyone doing everything together. Um, and you're allowed to have your own stuff that, that you're happy with. If you need a little bit of time away, you know, especially if this is like in-laws, you can let your, um, you know, spouse deal with it for a while while you go do something else. Um, but, you know, just think about what you really would like for you to do over the time. As long as it's not the whole day, maybe it's an hour or two of your stuff during the day, you'll, you'll probably be fine. And as long as you know, you're getting to do your stuff that, that can often go along. Yes. Extended family get togethers feel much better. Agree. Yeah. Well, great. Well, this has been Best of Both Worlds, an episode where we've been talking with Mel Johnson about being a single mom by choice and the logistics of of becoming one and and how she's dealing with that. So tune in next week for more on making work and life fit together. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Sarah, at theshoebox.com or at the underscore shoebox on Instagram. And you can find me, Laura, at lauravandercam.com. This has been the Best of Both Worlds podcast. Please join us next time for more on making work and life work together. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.